Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys Experience. Changing it up this time. My name is Chase. I'm here with my good friend Jacob. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Episode 27. Still no social media. Still no so. Remember we talked about this at the end of last week. Uh, 100 episode special. Season 2, we might have a MySpace. Season 2, we'll have social media. We'll have an MLS legend. Find us on LinkedIn. Maybe we'll have like... Jack McBean on the podcast, <laughs> legendary MLS striker. I don't think we could get somebody of his status. It's going to be more like a like a role player that just got traded around to a bunch of teams and maybe saw like a total of 200 minutes across his career. Name one guy like that off the Diego top of your Gutierrez. head. <laughs> oh, man. He's barely even started his career. <laughs> um. So, yeah, MLS, like, full throttle back, it feels like. Last week was the first week since League's Cup. This was the second full weekend, and we're back. Getting to the home stretch of the season here. Action-packed weekend, full of some thrills, some chills, a little bit of everything. Fun weekend of MLS. There was, not to mention, too, U.S. Open Cup semifinals to decide who went to the finals. Miami beat Cincinnati on pens after tying 3-3. Cincinnati, I've never seen a team blow a game so hard as they did against. Did you did you hear about this one? Unfortunately, yeah. I was rooting for Cincinnati in this one. Um, I saw they had gone up and... They had a lead, and I was like, oh, they're going to wrap it up. Cincinnati is so good defensively, especially at home. 2-0 at one point. I don't know what they did. I don't know what is going on, what kind of like hex Messi is putting on these other teams. But Miami seeming kind of unstoppable. Also, so yeah, Miami goes to the final, and they will host the final because they have hosting rights over the Houston Dynamo, who beat rail salt lake three to one at home in the opposing semifinal what a win for houston real quick can you explain to me how hosting rights work or is this just another made-up rule by mls you know this is so important to distinguish this is actually u.s open cup so mls has nothing to do with this actually all right just another freaking american rule precisely but the funny thing is I consider myself an MLS sicko who's actually watched one of these draws live. I watched it <laughs> earlier this year uh, on my lunch break when Portland was in the Open Cup still. They literally just like, it's like lottery picks, kind of like champ. They just decide, quote unquote, randomly live on. Are they pulling pieces of paper out or are they pulling out like the little soccer balls? I think it was the little soccer balls that kind of look like ping pong balls. Oh. You already know the controversy around that. You know what they're doing. Which, I mean, you can definitely argue that I'm sure MLS and U.S. soccer and all these federations have had some idea that Messi would be possibly being here at this point. Um, Regardless, Houston wins big over a good RSL team. And then random midweek game, LAFC crushes Colorado 4-0. But moving on. 
too. He just knew that was going to happen. It's <laughs> not even that notable. <laughs> Especially like midweek, it was like the only game. Just nobody, nobody really cared. <laughs> um, oh, poor Colorado. <laughs> I don't even want. To, it's just depressing. Let's move on. Atlanta hosted Nashville, and Atlanta smacks them four zero. Two good wins in a row against good teams versus Seattle last week and now Nashville 4-0. Solid performance from Atlanta. Nashville seeming like they're kind of just coming down after a you know heartbreaking cup loss. Um, but Atlanta kind of gelling together. They got their new winger. <coughs> I have no clue how to say this guy's first name. Um, but Silva, he uh, gets, you know, starts him off with the scoring in the 26th minute. Um Tiago Almada just still pulling the strings in the midfield. That guy I do not see sticking around at Atlanta very long. He's going to be gone by the end of the season. Which is the funny you mentioned him. He was number 22 to start this season and the previous season. He just switched jersey numbers to number 10 because Marcelino Moreno, their number 10, was on loan, but they officially like let him go. So they changed his number, and immediately there was a rumor that Ajax had like put or proposed like a $15 million transfer fee. So all these fans were like, you literally just changed his number so you can sell more jerseys, then you're going to like ship him out. And yeah, writing's on the wall, he'll be out. $15 million though, too low? I think way too low. I don't know. I mean, first of all, rumor has it with the jersey number uh, change, he couldn't handle the pressure of wearing the same jersey as Christian Paredes. Uh <laughs> But or Rodney Wallace. <laughs> that's a throwback. It's a throwback right there. Um I don't know. I think fifteen mil is a little low because if he was already playing in Europe, that number would be a lot higher. But I think a lot of these European teams are like afforded that luxury of going in on like what is a really high number for MLS, but a really low number for like a European transfer. Because they're kind of like an unproven commodity in Europe already. Like, nobody really knows how good Tiago Almada is going to be over there. But with that being said, I think that is like, they aren't going to lose on that investment. $15 million is a really safe investment because he's so young. If anything, worst case scenario, you could sell him back to somewhere in South America for at least 10 to $15 million. Um, Best case scenario, you sell him on to like a top five league for... Mm, two three times that amount of money so i think it's low as a fan who's watched you know watches him week in week out sees what he can do but i think most people in europe would see 15 million for a guy in mls and they would probably think that's a fair deal so two things they actually paid 16 million to sign him from velez sarsfield in argentina so i think i don't see any way how atlanta lets him go for at least somewhat of a profit but two things I'll add to that. I mean, he won the World Cup with Argentina. He was added as an injury player and barely played. But still, the guy is on Argentina's radar. He should be, and I think he will be. I think it was just a low ball offer. I'm sure a Premier League team, a la Newcastle, <laughs> such as with Miguel Almiron, who I just looked up, he left for $27 million from MLS. So, Or does a Saudi Arabian club come in for him and drop like 50 mil or that i can see something like that happening honestly so 
Yeah, I, I think you'll go for more. I I don't know. Like I said, though, I think people in, in Europe that don't really know him, he's kind of like an unknown uh, commodity. I think they're going to go in with these, like, these low-ball bids. Um, you know, a lot of these, like, Euro snob, like, like, fans here in the U.S., they don't really know who he is. Like, they don't really pay attention to the league. So when they see, like, a big European team get linked, they're like, oh, that's good business. Like, that's going to help him. But they don't, like, realize how valuable he really is. I'll agree with that, yeah. Moving on. Charlotte FC hosting LAFC. Charlotte coming up with a 2-1 victory. I didn't watch this game. I didn't either. Completely honest. I am pretty surprised that Charlotte pulled the win out, but it makes sense. It's been true throughout this season when LAFC has a crowded schedule and they have to play on, like, like tired legs, they don't play very well. So it doesn't surprise me that they couldn't pull a win out after having played less than a week before this. True, but they did play Colorado, which is... <laughs> That's true. It was like a training session and just beat up Colorado. Yeah, former former Burnley man Ashley Westwood scores for Charlotte. And then our buddy Ryan's not going to like this. Former Rangers man Scott Arfield with the game winner. 75th minute. You'll love to see it. But moving on, we have FC Cincinnati putting the beat down on New York City FC 3-0. Doesn't surprise me. Since he's good at home, New York City's average this year. This, to me, just seems like a club with a clear vision versus a club with, like, no vision right now. Like, FC Cincinnati clearly knows what they want to do. They're being very, like, intentional with their signings. They have a clear style of play. New York City FC kind of has, like, some aspects of that, but they just seem like lost in this city football group of like, you would expect them to be running the league with how much financial backing they should have, but they aren't really like reaping any of the benefits of that right now. Terrible. Ohio coming up big. You know, that's linked with uh, that. You see, you got the city football group on one end, New York City losing. And then you've got the mighty partnership of FC Cincinnati with Hoffenheim, the Bundesliga club. Anyway. Still such a random connection. <laughs> Big matchup here. Trillium Cup. <laughs> Columbus Crew hosting Toronto FC. Do you want to even explain what the Trillium Cup is? This makes no sense. I honestly still don't even really know. The only reason I knew what the Trillium Cup was is because I was playing Columbus in our FM save and you were playing Toronto. And the first time we played against each other, it was like, big derby match, Trillium Cup. And it would be like random old players coming out to talk about it. Still don't exactly know how this rivalry was formed. It seems kind of like an obscure one other than that they're both kind of out east. Um... But I don't know. I mean, Columbus Crew did the business. One, two, nil over Toronto. Diego Rossi getting another. Actually, he didn't. Is this his first goal for Columbus? Second goal, right? I believe it's his first goal. First goal, doing doing a job. Um, Jason Russell Rowe putting his claim in that he should be starting and over Christian Ramirez up top. 
against the team he was playing on, Toronto. He was, I think he was on Toronto. I know he was on Toronto, but I think he was stuck as a youth player, kind of second team. Columbus signed him and initially had him on crew too. And I think he won like MVP of that playoff or whatever, but he's been really good for them. I did my research. The Trillium Cup is named after the Trillium, the official flower of the province of Ontario in Canada and the official wildflower of the state of Ohio. That's it. That seems like a big nothing rivalry. That seems like that was a rivalry that was made just like waiting for Cincinnati to come into the league so Columbus could have a real rival. The only other thing this Wikipedia thing says is the rivalry draw rivalries draw on the team's similarities. And this is all they list. They are geographically both near the Great Lakes that border the US and Canada. Not even right. I don't even think they're in <laughs> they're next to them pretty much. And then both teams also play in a soccer-specific stadium. That's one of the reasons it's on here. <laughs> Sounds like how two guys become friends. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, we just kind of sat near each other in class and in both wore Nikes. And we both, <laughs> yeah, we both were wearing shorts one day. Been best friends ever since. <laughs> See, I'm all for MLS cashing in on certain rivalries, but this is garbage. <laughs> this is so stupid. I'm glad they both have like a real rival, like. Yeah, outside of that one. Uh, D.C. United hosting the Philly Union. Philly winning on the road 3-1. Philadelphia, what else do you expect when they're playing against Wayne Rooney's team? This is the D.C. team that they smacked like 6-0 like twice last year. You remember that? Like Carranza got like two hat tricks against D.C. (laughs) last season. That puts Philly tied for second place in the east meanwhile dc goes below the line um yeah not a super surprising result honestly i don't know and it's weird because dc seemingly has a pretty easy schedule coming up but i don't see them really put making a push to get back above the playoff line so it'll be interesting seeing how the rest of their season kind of finishes out i agree montreal hosting new england revolution Montreal wins 1-0. Rudy Camacho goal, the winner. I don't think it was Rudy Camacho. Was it not? George Campbell. George Campbell. I got random. It's going to say Rudy Camacho got just got traded to Columbus. So, George Campbell with a tidy finish. Uh both random just Canadian Canadian center backs. Montreal are are they making a push? Late season push. What do you think? No. I mean they're in 8th <laughs> place, but if you look at the teams ahead of them, Nashville, Atlanta, Columbus, Orlando, New England, Philly, and Cincinnati, can you see him overtaking any of those teams? Meanwhile, the teams below them, Chicago, Red Bulls, Charlotte, Miami below them, I can see any one of those teams taking a spot ahead of them. Um Meanwhile, setback for New England because this would have put them, if they got a result, uh, second place on their own, but now they're tied for second place as well. Technically in third because of a tiebreaker goal differential. So missed opportunity, especially since all this mumbo-jumbo is happening in New England. 
was going to say, this is a good chance to kind of talk about the Jordi Petrovic sale to Chelsea for, I believe, somewhere above like 10, 17, 17 million. million. Insane amount of money for a, a goalkeeper being sold out of the league. Only like 12 months or less than 12 months after they sold Matt Turner for like 13 million. Yeah, he was the Arsenal, the mid-season Turner replacement. They've made almost 30 million just from goalkeepers in the last year. And <laughs> which then, is more than some MLS teams have made in their entire existence from sales. Right. And then you out you can also factor in Tejon Buchanan they sold last year or 2 years ago, I think. Uh Adam Books as well two other high-profile players who went on to Europe. The Revs are turning into a a nice exporting team. Which is funny because the right keeper the that they're about to sign, uh, his name is Tomas Vaslik, and he's like a Czech Republic international. I think he's like 31. I've signed him in like my past three FIFA career modes because he's always a free agent because he doesn't have an actual team that like plays in a league in FIFA. Um... So it's kind of funny they they've like hit twice on these two like amazing goalkeepers and now they're just like nope we don't want to lose another guy mid season and have all this controversy around us we're gonna get an old like a proven goalie that can hold us down for a while. But also, do, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, how do you feel about this move for Petrovic going to Chelsea? You know, it's funny because they got Slanina from MLS last or this off season. So mm-hmm. and I know he's on loan. But I think he's expected to be competing for the number two spot almost right away. Um, it, You know, it shows me more than anything. You know, there's all this online negativity and stigma in MLS being a retiree league. But we can see clear as day from transfers and interest. It's not really the case. I mean, Chelsea, one of the biggest clubs in the world just signed some random from us not even a big mls team signed some dude to be one of their goalkeepers so i think it's a cool move for mls i would argue it's a huge move in the fact that petrovich has a shot at being the number one goalkeeper for chelsea like pretty i mean he's only 22 so he's still pretty young uh maybe 23 but chelsea doesn't have um keppa anymore loaned him out or sold him to Madrid. Robert Sanchez is currently their number one. But when you break down like um, Petrovic's like stats versus like other keepers and like top leagues around the world, um, his like shot expectancy or like save rate expectancy like ranks up there in like top 10 in the world or something. Like only other people who are around his level is like Allison, um, I want to say like Oblock was up there and then like maybe Courtois. I want to say he's he's right up there with like his and then funny enough one of the only other guys that's up there, Matt Turner. Love it. You know it's funny too. Yeah, his whatever that stat was, I know what you're talking about. His was I think measured to be all-time like the greatest in MLS history just from this past, you know, year. Not saying he's the best goalkeeper in MLS history, but he's definitely a good prospect, yeah. But Mendy just left to the Saudi league from Chelsea. So, huge signing and huge for his career. Um, he was really upset when they didn't sell him to, like, Sheffield and one other team came in for him. 
and they wait literally like maybe a month and then he gets this dream signing to Chelsea at a time where Chelsea kind of some uncertainty right now they have Robert Sanchez but like I don't think that's necessarily like a good signing for Chelsea's future like not not a keeper that can anchor them for a long time so they bed Petrovic in that could be a guy that could be there for 10 to 15 years side note did you see the Ramsdale or the goal that Ramsdale conceded against what team was it was it Luton Town or I denied I don't watch any Premier League games whatever whatever team they played Ramsdale was way off his line just terrible positioning let in an absolute howler you know for a fact Matt Turner wouldn't be doing that safe hands Matt Turner anyway hire him for an all-state commercial (laughs) New York Red Bulls hosting Inter-Miami Miami wins 2-0, which I predicted exactly correct, giving me three points in our points prediction game. Messi with another a class goal. His goal was insane. For the record, I, I guessed 4-0 Miami, assuming that Messi would be starting. He did not start. And then did you hear New York Red Bulls fans chanting, like that stadium was chanting, we want Messi because he was on the bench? Such an embarrassing thing a lot of people have elaborated on, but Red Bull's attendance has been terrible. They're a shell of what they once were. They've gone through these eras, the Metro Stars, before the Red Bull takeover. They signed some stars like Rafa Marquez, Thierry Henry, Juan Pablo Angel, and then they sold that and went on to that Jesse March brand of soccer, and they had exciting players, and they were competing for Shields, and it was rocking. Now they suck. Their fans have left them. It's a dead atmosphere, and they show up, and it's uh, it's pretty much an away game with bandwagon messy fans. And I, I want to say, I mean, we might get a little off topic here, but that seems to that's kind of what happens to your club when you like sell this, you sell your soul to be like associated with these big, like major clubs like the Red Bull Group or like New York City FC like being associated with like Citigroup. I think you see the same thing with like Galaxy kind of just like selling the soul of their club to bring in like massive names. You kind of sell like a different brand. So when success doesn't like come, the fans just leave you. Like you see it with Galaxy. Their fans aren't really there quite as much as they used to be. Um, I think the same thing would happen to LAFC. I think give them like two bad years and they'll have like a pretty empty stadium. New York Red Bulls, they're in like a hugely populated area where there is a huge interest in soccer. And just because they've been bad for a couple of years where they didn't win any trophies, even though they've been really consistent in making playoffs for like a decade plus, all of a sudden it's just like empty stadiums. You almost have away games in your own home stadiums. Just sad to see. Yeah. You've got Red Bulls who have been around since the inception of the league, and it's an away game for their own team whereas you have a team like Nashville or who is it else Cincinnati Miami just played and both those games were not pro Messi pro Miami crowds pretty embarrassing shame on you Red Bulls one extra thing I want to touch on before we get off this topic did you see the video of the San Diego loyal like chairman or whoever he was like almost in tears talking about how it was their last season as a club do you think MLS is starting to like kind of suck the soul out of like these soccer cities just trying to cash in on like 
an established local fan base without like propping up the clubs that are already there? Uh, yes and no. I think it has the potential to. I don't think it is. That was an interesting case because I've seen some stuff from both sides, and I'm not necessarily agreeing with what MLS did, but we've seen MLS work with these previous franchise names and rights and stuff, like the Timbers, Seattle, Vancouver. All these were have each had teams in like three or four different league iterations. Nashville was a team in USL, I believe. Cincinnati was Minnesota. So they're not not open to it. I think some of these independent smaller league teams, such as like a Detroit City, have established themselves as like very anti-MLS because it's a closed system league, Um, which it is. They're not wrong. But I think given the opportunity... MLS would work with some of these groups, but also we've seen in these cities like Atlanta, where there is a previous, like the Atlanta Silverbacks were a solid historical USL team or whatever league they were, but they weren't really a soccer place until Atlanta United showed up and then they brought out record crowds. So I think MLS brings out the best of it, but yeah, you're, there is a little bit of a, it sucks. It sucks for fans yeah. of that team. I was going to say, I feel like with how successful the league has been, especially recently, and this huge like change, and like there's a lot more eyes on the league now, um, I think you're going to start to see more of like the San Diego situation. Um, I mean, you saw it with like LAFC, just a brand new club, just came in to take LA Galaxy spot, essentially. <laughs> Uh, like you said, Atlanta, Miami, just like a club kind of developed out of nowhere. Um, so I don't know. I think you might see it like next. What I'm like afraid of is like the Las Vegas lights has such a huge community around it. And it seems like the next logical place for MLS. I could see MLS going in there and just like, no, we're just going to plant our own club to this like rich billionaire guy that bought in LVFC. I wouldn't doubt it. Just a super uncreative name. Um, that's going to go in there and just kill the smaller team that has a fan base around it. And, you know, people there, like, they're going to go watch soccer wherever they can. I mean, I saw some, uh, some like, comments from, uh, like, San Diego Loyal fans who were upset about it. But they're like, you know, I'm still, like, a huge soccer fan. So what am I going to do? I'm still going to go to Snapdragon Stadium and go watch <laughs> go watch this next this new team. And eventually, you know, people are just going to forget about the Loyal. Sorry, but getting a little choked up there. <laughs> nah, I just burped. <laughs> <laughs> no passion from this guy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think the ideal situation would be work with the previous brand. It doesn't even have to be exactly the same. You can tweak some things if you don't like it. Orlando City's another example. But it can't help but feel how much bigger and how much more buzz would be if they built off the loyal. If Las Vegas moves. They built off of Las Vegas lights. Phoenix Rising. Um, the one that bugs me the most was when New York City FC joined the league. It felt like a perfect opportunity to add the Cosmos in the league. New York Cosmos, very historic team in the U.S. Pele played for them in the 70s. A rich history. Gio Savarese coached them. That's right. And we'll get to that. But... 
a loyal fan base, and they still have lots of fans, actually. But, nope, we need it. And look at the state of NYCFC now. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but that was a, that was a really big sidetrack that we went down there. But it was something that I'd kind of been thinking about, and it just came to mind when we were talking about New York Red Bulls and just the state of their fan base right now. One more thing off of that, because <laughs> it really intrigues me. People are so bent out of shape on the lack of promotion relegation in the U.S., but the San Diego Loyal is going to fold because of all these reasons, because there's an MLS team. But theoretically, shouldn't there be room for both of those teams, a USL team and an MLS team in a city that big? If we are to ever get to promotion relegation, we need multiple teams in cities, multiple teams in markets, right? In a perfect world, yeah, but if you're being realistic and you're looking at like the fan base in the US where they have so many other sports that are vying for these people's like attention and vying for their dollar, you know, trying to get them to buy tickets to go watch these other teams and you look at the region around these cities and it could be there's multiple professional teams for them to go watch or semi-professional or so when you think about it, I just it doesn't seem really feasible right now, especially with the size of our country forcing, uh, you know, if like we had like a Luton Town situation where like, a, I don't know, a, a, a small team like the, uh, hit me with one. Like a small America like a, team? Yeah. I mean, Chattanooga FC. Chattanooga FC goes on this dream run. They get promoted to MLS and they have like no fan base to to support it they have a tiny stadium tennessee sports complex they're riding the greyhound bus all the way to portland to go to an away day um to me it just doesn't seem super viable right now so i mean i i get what point you're you're getting at and um i also understand why people think we need that to grow the game but also you're kind of seeing why the league is so successful the way it's built right now it's been very successful and you're starting to see players want to come play here because of you know they have less pressure on them you see coaches who want to come here and develop themselves because they have less pressure to you know i think i think coaches want to come here because they aren't going to get sacked right away if they don't make playoffs or if they don't you know if they finish bottom of the league they'll at least get another season or two to try and turn a whole entire club around I don't know. I see the point you're trying to get at, but we sh- we need to we need to get back on track. We aren't e- we're still going through uh games here. Anyways, Miami Burning. Miami destroyed New York Red Bulls. Moving on. Uh, we're going to burn through these next ones. Orlando City SC 2-1 over St. Louis City SC. Two very creative club names right there. It's a good win for Orlando. Left it late. Really, really solid win. Facundo Torres is carrying that team right now. Next, how about some Copa Tejas? <laughs> Dallas beating Austin 1-0. Another one left it late. Who's uh, who's this guy that scored? Does anybody know his name at all? Or just people, only, people only care about him because he played against Messi? I was just going <laughs> to reference that. And Kosi Tafari, the legend who... The local news legend. The, the legend who told the news reporter that she didn't care about him she was only talking to him because he was gonna play Messi. scores for dallas and the 97th minute to kill austin and just 
gather another three points. Good win for Dallas uh, over a rival. Sporting Kansas City, this was a prediction game for us. 3-0 Sporting Kansas City win over San Jose. I said 2-0 Johnny Russell banger. It was 3-0 Johnny Russell scored. Chase said 1-0 San Jose. I pick up a With point. a Christian Espinoza goal, which did not happen at all. I don't even know if he played in this game. But... Like we said, we'll we'll just keep moving through these games quickly. We're not even gonna we're not even gonna spend any time on that. You know, Kansas City really rolling there, eleventh <laughs> place now with that big win. <laughs> hey, PV got the boys playing now. Moving on, we got Real Salt Lake <laughs> versus <laughs> playing again. Salt Lake and Houston, second time in like three days. After this first game, there was like a total fist fight on the field because an <laughs> RSL guy was happening. People people were wondering what it was going to be like. Tempers were going to flare. And Houston throwing it back with Corey Baird and <laughs> Dinosaur Daniel Starris, both scoring in the first half. At, at Rail Salt Lake 2, 3-0 win. That's not an easy place to go play. Yeah, we ju- we're we're laughing about this, but this is a really good win. Back to back against Salt Lake, you know, hard to keep up that mentality. Corey Baird, the crab man, scores. <laughs> I will say, when he scored against Portland last week and did that, I did laugh. It was pretty funny. What if he does that against Miami in the U.S. Open Cup final and he wins a trophy <laughs> over him? Would I that mean, not be the most MLS? That would end up on like four three three, like on Instagram or something. You already know all the Ronaldo trolls in the comments would just be <laughs> lighting it up would with pictures of Corey on. Baird. Moving on, LA Galaxy big matchup, Chicago Fire, and LA Galaxy finally get a solid win under their belt, three nil over that, a just terrible Chicago team. And that keeps them in a steady 13th place in the West. <laughs> Ricky Puge scoring a tidy finish at the near point. Boy. Uh, near post. This, this episode is getting off the rails I was, here. I was pronouncing post as if I was reading his last name. How about new LA Galaxy signing 37-year-old <laughs> English striker Billy Sharp, former Sheffield United man, scores a pen and his debut. He's 37? 37. Why did they sign him? You got Messi, you've got Sam Surridge, you've got Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> All these exciting players, Tiago Amada. <laughs> they signed a 37-year-old player who was playing for Sheffield. This is the state of that team. They have a washed-up USMNT player, Tyler Boyd. They have ex-Barcelona wonder kid, Ricky Pooge. And then they got Billy Sharp. 37-year-old grizzled salty dog from the UK. Scores a pen. Oh, man. Anyway, (laughs) Cascadia Cup action. Portland hosting Vancouver Whitecaps. Vancouver wins big 3-2 on the road. However, you've got to address the people with what happened since our last episode. Ryan Gold (laughs) scored a brace. No, this was the uh, Timbers' first game post Gio Savarese. We we recorded that episode, and literally like a day later, he got fired. Gio Savarese has departed the Portland Timbers after almost six seasons. Five uh, and a half seasons. So, very long time. Port- I think he was like the third longest tenured coach 
in the league. He's here forever. Got Portland to two MLS Cups, won the MLS's back COVID tournament. Was successful. Only missed out on playoffs once. One and a half times counting this season. <laughs> but Portland moves on. Miles Joseph, interim man, takes over. Portland loses. Portland seemed to be playing a little bit different, but uh, sad to see Gio go. I mean, as much as I think it's needed, um, sad to see it happen. I don't know if you listened to Ned Grabovoy, uh, Portland GM, did like a press conference, and a lot of people were asking him, you know, all sorts of questions about it. But it seemed like his overall message was that, you know, everything has a life cycle, especially in this world of like soccer and coaching and all these different positions, even players. Um, everything has a life cycle and you can't stay at a club forever. Um, you know, you'll hit your peak and eventually kind of lose your effect and things don't always go your way. And it, they, they felt like it was kind of coming to the end of the Geo Savarese life cycle. And they decided it was best just to cut ties right then, give him a chance to kind of process it, start looking for a new job, give him the full off season to really focus on it. And it gives the club an opportunity to really, uh, you know, sit back. Maybe I think they decided they're not going to hire anybody till after the season. Uh, so Miles Joseph has the next ten games, I believe, nine games now, um, and just give the club some time to uh, breathe and think about what their future looks like. So overall, I think it was the right decision. Sad to see it go. Uh, a lot of really like heartwarming stories coming out from different like people who worked with the Timbers. Everybody seemed to really love Geo. Um, really positive person. But on to the next step of his career. On to the next step as a club. The Portland Timbers. Very well. Well said, Chase. I will say. <laughs> My favorite thing about Geo. Not the MLS Cup runs. Those were fantastic. Those were some of my most exciting moments as a fan in, in the sport. Not the COVID MLS Cup champion or COVID MLS is back champion. You know what it was? Going undefeated in Seattle away. <laughs> Before Gia was there, Timbers had never won in Seattle. And then he just toyed with Brian Schmetzer almost every time he went up there. Didn't lose a single game. I think tied two, but other than that, won like four games up there. That is a pretty legendary, like, that's a really legendary accomplishment for Gio as a coach. Definitely seemed to be the type of coach that could get guys fired up for big games. That's why he was so successful in cup competitions and rivalry matches. You see that passion would come out every time they would score, and he would just, he would show more passion than... Every face, player, his face would be beat red. He looked like a he looked like the face on like an airhead like rapper. Like it looked like his head was about to explode. <laughs> He'd just be like fist pumping and like grabbing people by the shirt and like pulling them in for hugs and stuff. We're gonna miss that. Here's to you, Gio. You know, I would argue Gio Savarese has a shout at being up there in the Ring of Honor for the Portland Timbers. And we'll get back to that in a little bit here. But one more game to cover. Minnesota United versus Seattle Sounders in Minnesota. And it was 1-1. Yamar Gomez, the center back, with a brace. A goal for Seattle and an own goal for Minnesota. I love seeing Seattle 
just implode. Seattle winless in six. I love it. I love it so much. It seems like we they so- need to fire Brian Schmetzer. It seems like they're coming to the end of their um kind of life cycle. Like Nico Lodero is getting old. Raul Ruiz Diaz is just made of glass and doesn't seem to have like the the t- like scoring touch he had before. Ruiz, yeah. It just seems like they need to really like revitalize this team. Like it seems like they're running out of ideas. They're they were really successful like at the beginning of the season, but they've just kind of starting to fall off. Kind of reminds me of Savarese's uh, little era he had in Portland. Difference was Seattle actually got over the hump. You know they were very successful in competitions, but Champions League and two MLS Cups. They got over the hump. They won those games. Portland, they didn't in the in the two MLS Cup finals they've had. So Brian Schmetzer got even if he gets fired today, very successful tenure. Yeah. But I mean with that being said, this might just be me as a Timbers fan being a little biased. At the end of the day, like it could easily be the other way around. Like it could have easily have been like GO one, two MLS Cups and Brian Schmetzer could have lost in like both of the you know I mean all all the finals that he made it to. Well, I think they made three, three or four. So four MLS Cups, one League's Cups before it was the current iteration, and one Champions League. So obviously, I mean, yeah, he has more trophies, but like I said, when it comes down to it, it's just one game, and you're relying on your players being at a hundred percent and. I will. You can't. You can't take those trophies away from them. They definitely have a more full trophy cabinet. Shouldn't than have been do. there though in the Champions League. I will <laughs> die on that hill. Yep. Moving on to a little bit of foreshadowing. I had. Shall we dive into our next segment? Dive in, Chase. We decided with the departing of Gio Savarese and the legacy that he leaves behind. I kind of hinted at it. I believe he should be up in the Timbers Ring of Honor, which is a portion of the stadium where some names of Timbers legends are displayed. You have former players. You have uh, Timber Jim, the OG Timbers mascot. I think Gio Savarese has a shout of getting his name up there. Um, but we wanted to go through and talk about each team in the league and kind of go over what we think are some players that deserve to be in their version of the ring of honor. We were going to kind of limit it and maybe divide the league up. So we're going to do about 10 teams across the uh, West coast today, maybe kind of drift into the central part of the country as well. So yeah, 29 teams in the league will divvy it up, do this in three separate episodes in the end of the episode but yeah ring of honor pretty much like a hall of fame for you freaking american sports fans it's like getting your your jersey retired like at a stadium like hung up in the rafters just a big honor shows you that you're a club legend or like having a statue pretty much kind of makes you eternal within that club your name will forever be up there and you know 30 40 50 years down the road some kids who don't even know who you are will see your name and probably google you and uh, read all about your records kind of like i did with the timbers ring of honor let's start north and go south so the northernmost team 
Cascadia Brethren, Vancouver Whitecaps. Vancouver Whitecaps. I immediately threw this name out there as soon as I put this name down. I said David Usted. That guy held it down in goal for them for a long time. And this might just be me because it was during like a lot of like my formative years as like a Timbers fan where I was going to a lot of games and I kept up with the league, watched as many games as possible. David Usted was one of the only like real redeeming factors of Vancouver for a long time. And when they were really good and they were pushing for a top spot in the West, David Usted was the base of that team. He was definitely solid. It's there for about four and a half seasons as well. It's tricky with a team like Vancouver. No disrespect, but they haven't had a ton of success. They've won a couple domestic copes uh, since entering the league since 2011, but no real deep playoffs runs. No real, n- never won a shield, you know. So David Usted's a great shout. We were also we'll, we'll have a couple names for each one just to give it some variety. Russell Tybert is who I'm going for. Been with the club since they joined MLS. And think of him like a not as good, not nearly as good Diego Chara. (laughs) He's just been holding it down from the bench now for Vancouver. But he's only 30 years old, and he's been on the team since uh, 2010, actually. So before they were even in MLS. And scored a whopping four goals for the team in like 13 seasons. But when you think about players and club legends, if somebody's on your team for over a decade, that's got to be high up there on the list. He's remained with the team. I remember just watching the game last night versus Vancouver. He came off the bench, but immediately when he subbed in, he got the captain's armband. So it shows the respect he gets. I know a lot of Vancouver fans just trash the guy now because he doesn't really play great, but anybody who's been on that team for that long should have some respect. Solid shouts. I, I'm i just a little biased towards David Usted. Solid man. I think he maintained like above like a 70% save percentage his, his whole entire time with uh, Vancouver. And when you look at where Vancouver is placed, like with him and without him, I think they had two rough seasons with him. His first season, he was only there about half the year. But other than that, it was all top 10 finishes with him. Chase so. just has a weird thing for these random... Like, if you were to look up a random MLS player generator, I guarantee you David Osted would be, like, one of the first <laughs> names on the list. You picked him also for a guess who one time. I did, and you guessed him pretty quick. Moving on, though, we have the scum of the West Coast, the Seattle, Seattle. Sounders. And my shout, I'm sticking with the goalkeeper, and we're going with Stefan Fry. I hate this guy, and that is exactly why he deserves to be up in their ring of honor. He has been so solid for them. Been there since 2014, so he's nearly a decade now with Seattle. And pretty similar to David Usted, he's maintained like a pretty high save percentage. Um, he's only ever had a few seasons where he's played less than 30 games, and that's been more recently, and I think that's just dealing with injury problems. Um, obviously won some silverware with them. Only had, I mean, a couple rough seasons when you look at his stats. So been just a rock for them at the back. Literally the only reason they won that first MLS Cup, that iconic save he had on Josie Altador, 
haunts me to this day because they shouldn't have been anywhere near that. They were getting bossed all game. Stephen Fry pulls one out of the bag, wins his city a trophy. Um, but it's like you said, he's been there forever. Another good shout-out would be, you know, you could pick Ladero, Freddie Montero maybe even. Ozzy Alonso held it down in the center of the midfield for a long time. Defensive mid and the inverse Diego Chara. Whenever those two teams would play each other, Chara versus Alonso, that was a crazy matchup. But I wouldn't put Alonso above a Diego Chara personally. I don't think oh, I wouldn't most either. MLS fans around the league would. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that the fact that Stefan Fry has remained there longer and is still a very important player for them um, I think that inches him just that much above Ozzy Alonso. I agree. And if you're not familiar with the league, Char and Alonso was kind of like the last decade was kind of like the the debate of who was the greatest defensive midfielder. And it was pretty close. It would have gone either way, in my opinion. But if you look at the regression of Alonso in comparison to how Char has maintained his, his excellent play, Char gets the edge. But let's move on. San Jose Earthquakes. And let's get it out of the way. The obvious answer, Shea Salinas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the the obvious answer, obviously, without a doubt, is Chris Wondolowski. Legend for their club. Scored so many goals. Um, couldn't do it against Belgium. Uh, but he is one of the all-time greats in MLS as much as I hate to admit it. Um, without a doubt, I think, is the clear person that will be in their Hall of Fame, should have a trophy in, in San Jose or a uh, statue. But let's go with a couple other options to make it a bit more interesting. You jokingly said, but Shea Salinas gets a shout. Over 300 appearances for the Quakes and was a was a contributor up until like this last season actually at 36 year old he was playing fullback he was playing winger earlier on in his career they shifted him back but contributed he was a uh, he was just part of that era of Wando and Steven Lenhart and Alan Gordon sounds like the James Milner of San Jose very random comparison but I'd say that's pretty accurate actually I got one more shout for you. Good old Tommy Thompson. He's been with San Jose since 2014, so almost a decade. Spent his whole career there. He's had a couple loan spells. Went to Sacramento, also went to Reno. Um, But since 2018, he's been like a constant in that San Jose first team. And, uh, you know, I think his most appearances came in 2019, 2020. Uh, up there around like 30, 20 appearances, something like that. Never really put up huge numbers. <laughs> really, when you look at him um, and you look at his stats, never really been like, I don't even know how to describe him. Like, he's just, he doesn't jump out at you as like a star player in MLS, but he's just like, just a guy that puts in work. And I think a lot of people in San Jose would kind of agree with that and just appreciate somebody who's been loyal to their club and not pushed for a move somewhere else like an expansion team where he could get more playtime and maybe be a star player just a loyal servant of the club that's well said there's a lot of moments you could have left 
the San Jose Earthquakes because of some terrible seasons. But this guy's bought in. He loves the community. You got to respect that. How about also, Portland Timbers? Also what? Portland Timbers. No, go ahead. I was just going to go on a rant about Tommy Thompson's pass accuracy and how it's like top 7% of MLS players. But Chase somehow missed the biggest <laughs> club in America, Portland Timbers. Portland Timbers. Oh, yeah. Skipped right over Portland, went straight to California. Just out of Diego Valeri. We'll make this quick. It's pretty obvious you should be here first. Rodney Wallace. <laughs> no, without a doubt, it's got to be Diego Chara. Absolute legend of the club. I think when he retires, he will get his name in the Ring of Honor. I think everybody expects that. Um, he's right up there with Diego Valeri for like most important player in our club's history. I would almost say he's probably more important than Diego Valeri to an extent. And you see that with like our win record when he's off the field versus um, like when Diego Valeri wasn't with us. So probably the most important player in club history. That's spot on. Another shout, kind of forgotten member at this point, I'd say Fernando Adi played about four seasons in Portland 126 appearances, 54 goals, an MLS Cup. Last consistent striker Portland's had, and this was one five years ago now. So you're telling me you aren't picking Andrew Jean-Baptiste as a Ring of Honor member for the Portland Timbers? <laughs> no, I agree. Fernando Adi, legend, couldn't score a hat trick. If that I guy mean, scored, he would always score a brace. But, I mean, has that been inconsistent from... Not any other Timbers player. That's true. But, yeah, kind of was a huge focal point for the Timbers when they had so, so much success. So, really amazing player. Did a lot of good things for Portland. But I think we should move on because we talked about Portland quite a bit today. Los Angeles Football Club, LAFC. Another clear and obvious answer here. Lee Wynn. <laughs> Welcome to the Ring of Honor. <laughs> We've done this for each team so far. <laughs> we're gonna do that. We're gonna, we're gonna keep doing it. <laughs> Carlos Vela, legend of LAFC, their first big signing. Kind of brought there to bring in the crowds. Brought there to be the. I don't want to say captain. That's the word I'm thinking of. Just the the star of their club. He's kind of the soul of the club. I would say. He was brought in before they even began, marketed to to really be the the captain, the leader of this team. Is he the only one there from that first season in 2018? I want to say he is, but I'm not 100% so. sure. In 2018, was Eddie Segura there I don't that season? I don't think so. I think he was next year. Ah, uh, But, yeah, he's been there since the inception of the club, and he's a lot of the success has revolved around him and when he's healthy. So definitely clear and obvious, you know, regress since those initial years, but still two supporter shields an MLS cup took him to two CCL finals. But what can you say? The only thing that's keeping him from being one of the greats is that just absolute slam that Zlatan put on him where he was like, when I was your age, I was winning titles in Europe. <laughs> which I love. Yeah. Moving on to LAFC's other greatest player, though. 
another one where there is no real clear second option. I mean, when you don't have history. This is uh, this is more of one where it's if they continue their trajectory. Dennis Bowanga, I mean, was very important in that run last year for the Shield. Won the Shield clinching, got the Shield clinching goal, helped them in MLS Cup, was big in the playoffs, brought him to the CCL final, carried. Um, if he keeps it up, stays in LFC, which I can see, I think he could have bigger numbers than Vela. I would agree. I think now that this club has won a trophy and they've established themselves as one of the, you know, the big clubs in the league, I think it's only going to continue. I think they're just going to keep building smartly, bringing in solid players, and I think Dennis Bowanga could be that focal point for them for years to come and just keep smashing in goals. Unless LAFC does the LAFC and just sells them to a random Brazilian team only for like Colorado to buy them next year. <laughs> Next up, LA Galaxy. On the other side of that rivalry, we went with Robbie Keane. Obviously Donovan, obviously Beckham. You can pick any one of them. They've already been talked about. Robbie Keane, though. I'd say Mike McGee. <laughs> we joke about that, but a bit of an unsung hero for this team. I mean, he stuck around a good two seasons after Donovan left. And, I mean, you can see what they were like after that yeah. arrow is gone. Anyways, sorry I interrupted you. Back to Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane. The best Irish player of all time. Ooh. It's quite the claim. Robbie Keane, though, lit this league up. And it was kind of funny because that was like when I was starting to really get into MLS. And just seeing this guy who looked like an old man just like boss up defenses. Like he didn't look like he should be in prime shape. But he was, and he was bossing up defenses. But my player I picked was the one and only Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Man showed up, said he conquered the league, and had a, a hole of one playoff appearance, <laughs> zero individual <laughs> trophies, zero golden boots, and oh, got man. knocked out of the playoff race by Houston. That is kind of crazy. I we were we were searching for a player within like the past five seasons, and personally, I think Zlatan had more of an effect on LA Galaxy than Chicharito did. I think he brought like an, the same kind of intensity to the LA Galaxy that Messi is bringing to Miami. Just he didn't he doesn't you know bring the same success that Messi does, but he. He got a lot of eyes on LA Galaxy. He raised the level of the team in a lot of ways and kind of just dominated for a little bit. I mean, didn't really... I mean, he's not the same player as Messi. He can't just take over a game. But I think he raised their level and helped them in a time where they really needed it. Yeah, he was a fun... One of the most fun players, yeah, and like stints in the league in the league I've ever seen. Next up, a big club, Rail Salt Lake. And one of these names is not like the others. <laughs> when I look at the list of guys we have here. <laughs> the three? Yeah, there's one guy sandwiched in the middle there that doesn't quite add up to me. <laughs> Pablo Ruiz. Man picked. <laughs> Just kidding. 
Man picked the Larice Mabiala of RSL. No, that's disrespectful. Went with, went with Justin Clad. So this is this is like I said. Okay, first we'll talk about the other two. Kyle Beckerman, Nick Ramondo, go. Self-explanatory. Uh, some of the great RSL players, they were there for a long time, similar to Stefan Fry, David Usted. Um, you know, some of those guys that stuck around at clubs for a while and just kind of anchored them. Um, don't, don't Kyle, but David Usted in the same breath as Nick Ramondo. Kyle Beckerman was so influential. Like, I think his last game ever, they, like, cut a portrait of him into the field. And then I think Portland beat them. <laughs> like, 3-0. <laughs> During his, like, last ever game for RSL. Nick Ramondo, absolute monster between the sticks guy had the most insane like save percentage against penalties out of any goalie i've ever seen but i want to hear your case for justin glad justin glad so if you look at that current roster they've had so ramondo beckerman they they won the mls cup they got him to another mls cup together that was the spine of the team they had success justin glad has been there since 2015, 2014, actually, sorry. And he's been on loan with their secondary team a little bit, but Justin Glad has been there for almost a decade now as well. Just missed that MLS Cup runner-up season, but he is a leader. He's over 200 appearances for the club. Definitely their best defender, I would say. And if RSL does some damage... You already know his leadership is going to come into play. He's going to be the one who stuck with them throughout multiple eras, multiple terrible seasons in Salt Lake. They've had lots of flop signings. This guy's been there through it all. Homegrown, too. He's been there since 2014, so definitely has the longevity. I will say, looking at his underlying numbers, bottom 27% in tackle success, bottom 31% in blocks, bottom 26% in clearances, bottom 24% in aerial duels won for his position. He's in the top 26% for interceptions, so we'll give him that. But, like I said, I view him as like the Larice Mabiala of RSL. I feel like every time I see his name come up, it's like a weird deflection, an own goal, like... Very rare do you see a game where Justin Glad just kind of takes over and is like an absolute beast in the back. I think he's a solid defender in the league. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you. I mean, when you have defenders like in random seasons like David Horst and Brooks Lennon, who's barely a defender on either <laughs> side of you, it's kind of hard to be an elite defender. But their team is kind of stacked right now, and we'll see we'll see how they do when they're not getting Once smacked by Houston. Him. Anyways. <laughs> Next up, we have a team of even more prestige and just pure class than RSL. And we got the Colorado Rapids. I was struggling to even think of a name for this team, if I'm being completely honest. Jake, I think Jacob had to throw down both of these. Um, this guy doesn't know his history. This guy, Dude, Colorado's been a nothing team as long as I can remember. The only other name I would throw in here that you don't have on here... And I'm going to just say it right now. Timmy Howard. No way. Absolutely no way. Timmy Howard or, and I don't even think he played there that long. It's just the only other name that's coming to mind right now. 
Sam Cronin. <laughs> Use the Will Johnson from Wish if I've ever seen one, dude. Um, Tim no. Howard was solid. That was that was like one of the main reasons why they were so successful. They like, were They had that first season they got there. I remember they they made it to the the Western semifinals, right? That's a good run. However, Drew Moore, you're not going to beat this case. Won their only MLS Cup while he was playing in Colorado. Only time they were really relevant to be honest. He won the MLS Cup. He has made over 200 appearances for the Rapids was a part of that team in 2021 which almost won the shield weirdly enough and was first in the west and like i said he was there two separate since but he was there for a very long time i'd put clint Irwin up there as well another just legend mls player who went to toronto for a couple you're not seasons. seriously putting clint Irwin above tim howard are I absolutely you? am in terms what of, is this guy on in terms of rapids you're gonna really make us debate Colorado Rapids goalkeepers. <laughs> That's what this show is all about. That is insane. That is absolutely insane. Tim Howard. Do you think Tim raised Howard, the level of that team? Do you think Tim Howard was the reason though that they made it that far, or was it not? I would say so based off their play style because their play style was strictly just sit back, super deep, and with a guy with his experience and his stature coming in and like directing a back line that isn't star studded back line. And making some huge saves along the way. Do you know who was holding it down in the pipes before Tim Howard got there? You know who it is. Zach McMath. Zach McMath. Don't you ever disrespect Zach McMath and tell me he wouldn't be there. You know, I'll agree with you. I'd say Drew Moore. Solid shout. Do you know how long that guy's been in the league, though? Drew Moore? Yeah. I think he just retired, but like, what, almost 20 years? 17 years. He started in 2005 with FC Dallas. Only played for three clubs across his career. Major respect. Um, Jack Price, another one I can see. He's a big fan favorite there. He's been there for a while. Bought in, heart and soul of the team, but blew out his knee or something this season. And then right when he got healthy, he like broke his leg or like got another major injury. So you're seeing... The post. Oh no! I you just, know, I just looked up his FB ref so I could uh, like look at his stats, and he just looks like the uh, like happy like Muppet version of Roy Kent. <laughs> you talking about Jack Price? Yeah. <laughs> you know who would have been a solid shout for this if he wasn't a traitor? Pablo Mastroeni, current Rail Salt Lake coach, was part of Colorado Rapids actually for a very long time 225 appearances as a player and was playing for the rapids when the u.s national team made that famous uh world cup run in 2002 world cup and he was a part of this team played his trade in mls for colorado and made over 225 appearances and then actually coached the rapids almost immediately after retiring coached the Rapids for four seasons and then did the greatest tragedy in football, crossed the Rocky Mountain Derby <laughs> and became a manager at Rail Salt Lake. Absolutely despicable. That is why we will not consider him at all. few more, a couple more here before. I was going to say we're running long on this episode. Sporting Kansas City. 
I saw the two names you put here, and I think there's only one that's a clear option, and also another player that you missed. Matt Beasler? Tim Melia. Tim Melia is a shout, but are you ignoring Jimmy Nielsen, 2013 MLS Cup winner? Are we forgetting Ike Opara? Kind of solid center back for them. Injury problems, though. Absolute legend. I would say Tim Mealy is a solid shout, but I think the two names you have down are really good options, and I'm going to go ahead and just spit his name out right now. Graham Zussi. Guy has been with the team forever, it seems like, and just solid player with the you know uh, U.S. men's national team when they were not good and didn't qualify. <laughs> Part of the 2014 World Cup, though. Mexico fans, actually. You know the story about how Mexico fans adore Graham Zussi? No. So, 2014 World Cup cycle, and U.S. was doing great. I think they topped uh, the Hex or whatever the group was. Mexico was in dire straits, and pretty much they needed the USA to beat Panama to even make the fourth place uh, knockout round qualification. And Panama was up, I think... 2-1, Two to one, I want to say, on the USA, or maybe two zero or something. I think it was two to one. Um, Graham Zusi gets a late, late goal to tie the game, and Mexico fans like erupted. Like I remember seeing the Mexican commentators, and they they were going crazy because it put Mexico <laughs> back in the World Cup spot. And then when Mexico, I think, played a Champions League game, and or when uh, Sporting Kansas City played a Champions League game in Mexico. A whole bunch of fans went up to Zussi, gave him like a sombrero, and <laughs> they called him like San Zussi because that's amazing. He he saved the day. That's amazing. But man has had a solid career. He's been with SKC since 2009, uh, back when they were the <laughs> the Kansas City Wizards. So he was there before the rebrand. Um, and he's just been solid every season, man. Has always played double-digit games. Um, you know, I think lowest amount of games he's ever played was his first season, and that was 13. Put up solid numbers all along the way with them during their championship run. Um, been a part of some great teams. He's arguably one of the few players in their history that's been there longer than Peter Vermees. That's a nuts stat right there. Because <laughs> um, Peter Vermees has been there for like 10 years. Which is crazy. Yeah, him and Matt Beasler, I'd say, were the soul have been the soul of that club. Beasler's gone now, obviously. Another shout. MLS legend Preki. He is the only player in MLS history to win two MVPs, actually. Won them both with Kansas City Wizards back in the day. I could see it. However, that's just a little bit before my time. Another legend of the game. Jimmy Conrad. What a legend. Kick TV days. Remember that? <laughs> yes, sir. What about this other SKC player, this no-name guy, Johnny Russell? Johnny Russell was, like a lot of these, more of a future pick. I mean, we've seen some weird years from Kansas City. A year like this where they've definitely underperformed. Last year as well, I mean, they, they definitely underperformed. Had a late push, kind of like this year as well. But... Johnny Russell's been solid. Been there since 2018, so this would be his sixth season, I think. And almost 150 appearances, about 50 goals. And 
those first few years he was there, Kansas City has been good. Um, after since the 2021 season, he's been captain of the club as well. So if he sticks around, I think he'd have a shout, but doesn't really distinguish himself because Kansas City has won some trophies and he hasn't been a part of it. Definitely a player for the future, I would agree. Um, really, probably their most important player now. So, huge for SKC. Last team up today, we have Minnesota United. Who are we spitting down for Minnesota? Another pretty hard one. Uh, clear and obvious one is obviously Emmanuel Reynoso. Even though he just disappeared for like a third of the season this year, um, I would still say just they look like a completely different team with him there. So close to bringing him to an MLS Cup that I think first season he was there it was in yeah it was in 2020 they got him from Boca Juniors big club he was a big signing from them <laughs> I'm on his Wikipedia right now and very short section on him honestly personal life very first sentence in March 2014 Reynoso was shot in the left leg <laughs> that was it he <laughs> completely separate line he was arrested in December of 2021 for allegedly hitting a teenager in Argentina <laughs> and then now this has happened where he missed his off season oh, man. but you man can see the quality stray away from the off off the field controversies but our only other real option for a ring of honor player for Minnesota would be the one and only Michael Boxel not another another one that's pretty tough um but I say Michael Boxel because he's been with Minnesota United since 2017, their first year in MLS, and they had some dreadful years. Remember those first couple seasons? They were terrible, getting blown out almost every game, uh, which is probably bad because he was a center back starting. But he's stuck with them. He's been there ever since. So this is his seventh year in Minnesota, 166 appearances, Got five goals for himself. I believe he's captained um, Minnesota at points. So definitely a leader, definitely a veteran player, and stuck around. It's been a solid player for them too, even looking at like his underlying stats. Like really top like top four percent for blocks, top twenty five ish percent for interceptions, so definitely a no nonsense defender that breaks up a lot of play for them and like he said, he's been there since the inception. Uh, I think the captain now. So, guy that's just kind of like synonymous with the club at this point. But I think that wraps up our Ring of Honor talk for the day. We've been running a bit long here, so we're going to just dive right into our match predictions. First up, we have a blockbuster game of the Houston Dynamo versus the Columbus Crew. Two of the most exciting teams in the league right now. Funny enough to say that about Houston. They've been kind of hot the past couple weeks. Um, Columbus, on the other hand, probably the most fun team to watch in the league other than maybe Miami. Just their style of play is, is really exciting. Um, the way that Wilfred Nance has the... <laughs> Just... 
That is unbelievable. <laughs> I don't even think anybody could hear that. But that's so funny. Oh, man. Producer Isaac just laid down on the couch, like covered up with a blanket and just fell asleep and now is snoring extremely loud. <laughs> May have woke him up. Oh, man. But anyways, for this game, I'm going Columbus to be dominant here and win 3-1. It's funny you put this on here because the way you wrote it, I thought you were talking about the Rapids. So you put 3-1, and I thought you meant Colorado at oh. Houston. I was very confused. Um, so I put 3-0 Houston, but I'm going to change it. I'm still going to stick with Houston because – I really like what they're doing. They're at home. I'm going to go 2-1 Houston. I think Houston's time is run out in the limelight. I don't think they're going to be winning any more <laughs> The limelight games. as in two, like two weeks. A couple big wins over some interconference conference Uh All right. Fair enough. Next up, we have a probably one of the least anticipated Seattle-Portland rivalries ever. Like, both teams are in a rough spot right now. Nothing really super exciting to look forward to here. To here. And I, I'm going 2-1 Seattle. I think Portland's luck in Seattle may run out without Gio being there. I think the club really isn't in a good headspace right now. I think it's going to be the same as like, you know, Gio has an amazing record in Seattle. It's kind of like when Timbers play without like Diego Chara. We just can't win. I think it's going to be the same in Seattle now. I'm going a 2-2 draw. I can see both teams are in terrible form, but like I said, honestly, you can throw form away in these Cascadia Cup games. I think it'll just be an absolute dogfight, and I can see just a scrappy, eventful 2-2 draw. I'm really excited to watch this game, actually, and I hope it, it lives up to be more than a 2-1 Seattle win. I hope Timbers put on more of a performance, but I think Brian Schmetzer with how he kind of responded after the past couple games where Timbers have beat them and you know the nutty professor comes out and talks about how his team doesn't really understand like what how important this like rivalry is and everything. I think he smells blood in the water and I think he's going to get these guys really hyped up to go out there and beat the Timbers. I hope you're terribly wrong. But I hope so as well. Last but not least. Well, <laughs> I don't know if we can say that. Definitely least. We have DC United versus Chicago Fire. DC is hosting this game. And, you know, I was actually... I almost put down just a wicked, crazy, like, scoreline like for this. 4-4. I almost put down 4-3 Chicago because I was just like... This just screams a game that may just open up and be absolutely insane or it could just be the most cagey like one nil, nil, nil game I've ever seen but I decided to go 3-2 Chicago I, I just have a feeling this game is going to be like insane I don't know why I'm thinking 2-1 Chicago I can see DC being up late and Kai Kamara bags like <laughs> the game winner in like the 85th minute I would absolutely love that well that wraps up another episode of the MLS net boys episode 27 solid week of uh MLS coming up some pretty jam-packed schedules with uh you know trying to make up for leagues cup so I believe there's Wednesday and th- uh 
Saturday games and all teams are playing. So going to be interesting seeing those Saturday games, seeing some tired legs, maybe some rotated squads. We're getting to the tail end of the season. Playoffs are coming up. You know, I was going to say coaches' jobs are on the line, which we already saw <laughs> happen. But there, people say there's no pressure in MLS, maybe not as much in a relegation league, but there is definitely pressure. And you're starting to feel it, I feel like, at the end of this season here. So it's exciting. It's going to be a good time. I'm excited to see how this season's going to wrap up, who's going to snag those last ninth place playoff positions and just, you know, try and go on a dream run for glory. But that has been all from us this week. Thank you guys for listening. Do you have anything else to say before we... Did you know Keegan Hughes went on loan? Yeah. That was really sad. sad. Maybe we'll get him on the show so he can talk about, you know, this whole process. So Keegan Hughes, come on the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening to MLS Net Boys.